Of course, I have to ask my husband to pray for me. Pray for us. We just want to praise the Lord for just a minute. And just take time to take a deep breath and just enjoy the presence of the Lord. Yes. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, God, for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we thank you for your hand upon each one here, Father. Lord, we just take time to worship you in spirit and in truth, asking God your presence to be here. Lord, Louise is brought forth, will be bringing forth a message, God, that you've laid upon her heart. Lord, we ask you, God, for your blessing and your anointing upon her as she brings forth this word, God. Help us, Lord, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, God. And Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We love our brothers and sisters in the Lord God, and we ask God to use us as you see fit, and we give you the praise and glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I want to thank uh, Pastor Randy and Pastor Ken and all the pastors here for allowing me to stand behind this pulpit, and I don't take this privilege lightly. This is a very special place where the man or woman of God speaks the word of the Lord, and uh, I, I respect this pulpit. The last time I gave a devotion, I talked about the community of the church. I told you how I love the church, the true church of the redeemed of the Lord, the church that works out their faith by serving each other, the church that washes the feet of the saints, the church that gives wherever there is a need, whether it's knowledge of salvation or encouragement or physical or emotional support, the church that understands that we are all part of one another and that each of us has a ministry that is necessary for the health of all of us. Tonight, I want to talk about what I believe may be, probably is, the most important need of the church universal. That is to pray, to pray for the church universal and to pray for the people that make up this particular part of the church of God. It doesn't take us, uh, we don't have to look very far to see our world crumbling around us in many ways. We're experiencing unusual storms. Much of the West has been burning for a couple of years. Our country has been experiencing much physical devastation. It is as if God has lifted his hand of protection from us and has allowed things to come in that we do not want to come in to the world. And then there's the political upheaval. It's easy for us to become angry about the way our government is not functioning as it should. We cringe at some of the ideas being put forth that would change our lives dramatically and not for the better. It's easy to blame one political party or the other for our national ills, but I believe that the hand, that the land, <clears throat> our land is in the hands of the church, that the health of the church determines the health of the nation and the health of our world. As God's people, we should not look to politics and all of its graft to get our healing. That would be tantamount to worshiping an idol. We are to turn to God Almighty for our deliverance. Amen? Amen. 
Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me, says Psalm 50:15. Psalm 91, 14 says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. And then there's the verse so often quoted, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Jeremiah weeps over the state of his country and he says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? I'm here to say the way I understand scriptures, there's a place of recovery for God's people. And it is for the church to be the church. If my people, how do we get there? The church universal, as well as our part, the palace, I believe is in need of intense, specific prayer. Because I believe the most effective prayer is always specific prayer. So what specifically must we pray for, for our church, for the church universal? I believe the scriptures tell us what to pray for. Let us pray for unity in the body of Christ. This is what Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. Three times in his prayer for his disciples, he asked God that the ones given to him may be one as he and the Father are one. There were any number of things Jesus could have prayed for, many things that we need certainly, and yet he spent his time praying for unity. We learned in the Old Testament in the story of the Tower of Babel the power of unity. Genesis 11 says that the people said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they purpose to do will be withheld from them. So there is great power in unity. That doesn't mean we will all subscribe to the same doctrinal ideas, but it does mean we will major on the majors. It means our desire will be to live righteously, it means our desire will be to bring glory to God by the way we flesh out our lives. It means we will be evangelistic because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It means we will want to be obedient to the word of God at all times and in every way. It means we will pray that we may put aside our minor issues 
and love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. And we will love our brothers and sisters as we love ourselves. It means that every believer has the responsibility to choose to participate in the unity of the church. Psalms 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let us pray for unity in the church of the living God. Amen. Jesus also prayed in his prayer for his disciples that they would be kept from evil. I read in the Bible about good men, men who loved the Lord, men who sought the face of the Lord, like King Solomon, for instance, whose request from God was not for wealth or honor or the life of his enemies, but his request was for wisdom and knowledge to judge the people rightly. I read about Solomon and he built the temple and he dedicated it to the Lord and he prayed the wonderful prayer of dedication. I read how after his prayer fire fell from heaven and it consumed the sacrifices and the Lord filled the temple with his glory so that the priests could not enter and all the people prostrated themselves in worship. And I rejoice that the Lord blessed Solomon and his people. And then... I weep sad tears when I read the rest of the story. For the word tells how King Solomon loved many foreign women, women who turned his heart after other gods with a little g. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord. I read how Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord. Can I ask you to pray for the church that we will stay loyal to our wonderful King of Kings and Lord of Lords? All of us are vulnerable. All of us need prayer that we will finish the race well. We have an enemy, and he's a powerful enemy. He's deceitful and cunning and unrelenting. As 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The beginning of the next verse says, resist him. How many people do you know who used to be faithful members in the kingdom of God? Men and women who did great things in the kingdom, but have been tricked, seduced away, captured, and put in chains by our common enemy. We must pray that God will raise up a standard against the enemy. We have to plead the blood of Jesus over God's people. We must pray that the body will not be deceived by the lies and deceit, the tricks of the enemy. May we always remember that our enemy is out there, not in here. Amen. Beth Stevens preaches a sermon that she has titled, Trophies on the Wall of Hell. And she talks about how hunters, serious hunters, study their prey. They spend much time and go to great expense getting to know the deer or the bear or whatever animal they're hunting. They're wanting a trophy for their wall. They learn the habits of their prey and so they lay their traps with great knowledge. In the same way, we have an enemy who's been out to get us from birth. He studies us, 
and continually, continually tries to lure us away from God by one trick of deceit after another. And when he fails to snare us in one way, he changes his strategies, adjusts his methods, and tries again and again. We all need prayer that we will not be deceived. Pray for the church that it will not be deceived by seducing spirits and that it will not be prevented from being all that God desires it to be by the influence of preventing spirits. Matthew 6 gives what we call the Lord's Prayer, a pattern for us to pray. In that prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from evil. Let us be faithful to pray for ourselves and our brothers and sisters and all the church around the world, as many as are the redeemed of the Lord. Oh, almighty God, deliver us from evil. Amen. Our second Chronicles 7.14 scripture tells us to turn from our wicked ways. Now, I would say that there's a connection between our ability to turn from our wicked ways and the famine of the Word of God in our society and around the world. In years past, in our country, the Bible was a textbook in schools. The Word of God was known and held a place of prominence and influence in the society, but it's not like that now. We are a society that is largely ignorant of the Word of God, even in the church. I say it again, there is a famine of the Word of God in the United States and around the world. God help us. Jesus prayed that the church would be sanctified by God's truth. And then he says, speaking of God, your word is truth. The word sanctify means to be made sacred. It is to separate from profane things and dedicate yourself to God. There are some, and as I said before, I believe there are even many in the church that do not know the word of God. How then can they grow in sanctification? In 1 Peter 2, we're told, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Ephesians 5 tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Second Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe that one reason we have a famine in the, of the word in the church, and this is my, this is my standing up for Sunday school. <laughs> I believe that we need to be in Sunday school. Many adult church members no longer have, maybe they don't attend Sunday school, and they certainly don't encourage their children to attend Sunday school. And uh, I think Sunday school is a tool that can be used. I love Sunday school, and I encourage you to attend if you're not in Sunday school. 
So, um, nevertheless, each of us have a personal responsibility to study the word ourselves and to teach our children the word of God. When I first became saved, I memorized, I think it was the first scripture that I memorized, and it's Joshua 1.8, and it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let us pray that the church universal will once again establish the knowledge of the word as a priority. Let us pray that behind every pulpit, there will be a man or woman of God who is boldly and faithfully declaring the pure, unadulterated word of God. Let us pray for the church to hear and to quickly obey the word. Let us pray that we will be doers of the word and not hearers only. I'm so grateful that in this church, every one of our pastors has a heart after God and speaks the word from the pulpit. We are so very blessed. Amen. Jesus states in the prayer again in John 17 that he has sent us into the world just as Jehovah God sent him into the world. In Luke 14, we have the story of a certain man who gave a great supper and invited many people to attend. But every one of the invited guests made an excuse about why they could not accept the invitation. The master instructed his servant to go get the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind and bring them in to enjoy the supper. This the servant did, and then he came back to the master and he said, I've done your word and still there is room. The master then told him to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I believe the strong word used, compel, was used to emphasize how much the Lord wants his house filled. Timothy 2.4 tells us that it is God's will that all men be saved and come to know the truth, that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Our Abba Father wants people to accept the sacrifice of Jesus for their sins so that he can bless them. Because he loves people and he's called us to love people. He wants people to prosper in their spiritual lives so that they can experience the fullness of his joy and peace. We read in Matthew 28 that we are commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that Jesus taught. The question is, will we go in obedience to the word? Let us pray for one another, for the church universal, that we will go into the world. <clears throat> there is much persecution going on against the church of the living God in other parts of the world, more so than here in America, although some are being persecuted here. For example, in Cameroon, the UN estimates that more than 170,000 people, mainly Christians, have been forced to flee from their homes because of the persecution of Boko Haram militants who are attempting to establish an Islamic caliphate from northeastern Nigeria all the way to Cameroon. In Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday this year, 
250 were killed and 500 injured in bombings that targeted three churches and three hotels where Christians were gathered. All over the world where there is the true church of God, there is persecution. Pastor Randy spoke on Sunday night about the persecution coming to us here in the land of the free. We're all part of the same body with Jesus Christ as our head. Let us pray for the persecuted church. Let us pray that we will stand strong in the face of persecution. Let us pray that we will not take down as one of our prayer ladies often prays. We must fight for our families and our churches, our nation, our brothers and sisters who are facing persecution at this very minute need our prayers. We fight on our knees. Indeed, the church goes forward on its knees. In, chapter, in Acts chapter 4, we see after the miracle of the lame man being healed at the word of Peter and John, that the religious leaders made a decision to make it illegal to teach in the name of Jesus. They warned John and Peter not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus Christ. Going back to their companions, Peter and John reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Then the Bible says in verse 24 of Acts 4, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. There again is the unity. And they prayed for God to grant that with all boldness they may speak God's word. They also prayed that healing and signs and wonders would be done through the name of Jesus. The Bible says after they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. May Almighty God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, give us holy boldness to proclaim his word to the lost and broken souls around us. In addition to holy boldness, may we ask for signs and wonders to follow the presentation of the gospel. Dear body of Christ, let us pray for one another. Let us pray for unity. Let us pray that we will, we will be kept from the lies and temptations of the enemy of our souls. Let us pray we will awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us pray we will lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us pray that we will know and obey the word of God and will be sanctified, set apart from the profane and consecrated to serve our most holy God. May God grant that we will not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Let us pray we will go out into the highways and byways with the knowledge of the word and with holy boldness, motivated by the love of God, and compel them to come in and share with us the wonderful message of redemption and the incredible gifts of God. Let us pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted because they are Christians and they stand for the truth. In Revelation, Jesus has some words of warning to churches. There was the church that had done many things well, but had lost its first love. 
Let us pray we will not lose our first love. There's a warning for the compromising church. Let us pray the church will not compromise, but it will always stand for righteousness as revealed in the word of God. And then there's the faithful church that Jesus commends, and he says to the faithful church, See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Let us pray that we will be the faithful church until he comes. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask uh, you all if you would come together for prayer. Uh, would all of the ladies come on this side, please, and the gentlemen on this side? And if you can't stand, feel free to sit on the first row because sometimes people get tired. But we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the church. And while you're coming, I'm going to read the words to a song. And ch you know, I taught children's for church for quite a number of years. And we used to sing a song called, I am the church, you are the church. And it goes like this. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is a people. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. We're many kinds of people with many kinds of faces. All colors and all ages too from all times and places. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together, all who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we are the church together. Sometimes the church is marching, sometimes it's bravely burning, sometimes it's riding, sometimes hiding, always it's learning. And then it says the chorus again, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. My little children used to love that song. <laughs> So I'm going to pray, if you would pray with me. Um, Father God, we want to pray tonight for your church. Father, we want to pray, God, that your church will be the church that you are coming for. God, that your church will be without spot and wrinkle. That your church will be filled with those people, God, who have thrown, thrown off those restraints that keep us from loving you and serving you with all of our heart, God. God, we want to pray tonight, Father, that the church will, will, will rise up as a mighty army, God. That we will be salt and light that you have called us to be, God. Father, that we will, we will uh, uh, unite together in holding up Jesus, knowing that when we hold you high, the, the others will be drawn to you, Father. God, we, we, we want to ask you, Father God, that you would minister to the church body, Lord, and that we would love one another as you have loved us, God, that we put aside our petty differences, God, that would not be easily offended, Father, but, Father, that our desire would be to bring glory and honor to you, Almighty God, for you deserve our worship. You deserve our honor, God. Oh, Father God, we're, we're praying tonight for the persecuted church, Lord, around the world. There are seven 
continents, God, and every one of them, God, probably has people who love you who are under persecution. Father, would you give them courage and strength, God? Would you encourage their hearts, God? Would you make a way of escape for them and provide for them, God, as only you can? Would you fill them with your joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength according to your word, Father? And Father, if persecution comes to us, God, would you help us to rise above the circumstances, Father? Would you help us always to bless you and to praise you and to honor you because you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy, Father. Hallelujah. And Father, could we pray, Lord, that once again the Bible would be honored, the Word of God honored in the church. That, Father, the, the honor that we have for the, for the Word of God would cause us to act in righteous ways, God. That we would turn away from our wicked ways, God, and, and fall on our face before you and repent before you, God, so that you could heal our land, Lord. Your Word says it's if your people, if your people, Lord, we are your people, God. Let us, God, fulfill, Lord, that scripture that we would, that we would seek your face, that we would pray, that we would turn from our wicked ways so you could hear our prayers and heal the land, Lord, that we live in. We are so desperate, Lord, for healing. We are so desperate for healing, and we only look to you, God. You're the one we look to, Father. You're the one we run to when we have a need, Father, because you, God, are almighty. You have everything we need, Father, if we will come to